0: morning. I'd like to talk a little today about Sangha. Uh, Sangha is one of the triple treasures. There's the story in uh, the sutras, don't ask me which one, of Ananda having done some activity with some other monks and he goes to the Buddha and he says to the Buddha um, how friendship He's fascinated how friendship is the half of this great Buddhist life this life in Sangha and the Buddha replies to him no Ananda having good friends is not half the holy life is the whole of the holy life. And that is Sangha. There's another story that I heard told in a book, the name of which I can't remember right now, but uh, it's the story of the drunkard and the guide. I think it's Life Lived Holy or something like that. But anyway. And the person in this story tells it in this very modern way, but I'm sure the story is pretty old. And he tells a story of how um, there's a drunk person coming out of a bar and starting home or trying to get home. And he's followed out of the bar by a good friend. And uh, he has to go home on his way home. You know, He has to go across a ridge where there's a steep drop on one side and a steep drop on the other. So the path is narrow. And the good friend follows him and he says, No, don't step over there. Step to the right. No, don't step over there. Step to the left. Watch that rock. And, of course, being drunk, none of this makes sense to uh, the drunk guy. And he keeps questioning. He says, but you just told me to go to the right. Now you want me to go to the left. Always questioning, always, you know, not quite believing, not quite mm, appreciating the guidance sometimes. And so, of course, the drunkard is me. Um, the drunkard is a person trying their best to reach home. Trying their best to uh, find refuge. Trying their best to understand the, the path in front of them, um, even though it zigzags this way, even though there are obstacles, um, even though it's so narrow. And trying to listen to, and you know, the guide, the good friend, of course, is the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, the great treasures. Oh, and did I mention it was dark? (laughs) So there's no lights on this, you know, windy road. And so all of that faith that we drunk people have to have you know drunk in our delusions and fears and you know our ideas of what is supposed to be um, we can't really see and all the things that we think we know are happening you know and our drunk yeah. cells, you know, um, are not necessarily true. That we so want, you know, we're so euphoric in our intoxication um, that we don't know what's real. We never know what's real. And here's this friend behind us doing yet another set of uh, per another perception in there. In a sense, this is the reason why we sit in sangha. We have this, you know, romantic idea that of sitting alone in some hut somewhere or some cave somewhere like Bodhidharma or under the tree like the Buddha um, and our enlightenment and our you know, our awareness will open and that might happen. but being on a mountain or in a cave somewhere is still being in the world and still being informed by um, the things around you, the myriad beings around you, um, even if it's just a little snail crawling up the wall or uh, the wind blowing outside. We are still touched. We are still informed by the world, and you know to listen deeply um, to any of this energy coming at us, any of these um, messages, any of these um, gentle instructions coming to us um, is to hear the Dharma. So, with our drunk shell selves, you know, scrambling along the ridge, um, we need we need to know that we need that voice um, speaking to us that we don't know all all by ourselves. And we also need to know that our questioning is not necessarily wrong, um, but the questions get less the longer we practice, the longer we keep listening to those, um, to that voice. Of the Buddha Dharma behind us, trying to help us get home. And the three treasures, you know, they are. I think Sangha gets a, gets short shrift. There there are the Buddhas, the Buddhas of the past, the Buddhas of the present, all of whom are sitting around us. There are also, uh, there is also the Dharma, all of which is manifesting around us. In the world, in nature, in the bodies around us, and there's the sangha expressed in the folks that come and sit with us at zazen kai at in the evening, in the early morning. who are with us even when um, they can't make it that day. These things are not separate. Which, you know, if you understand what I'm saying. So... The role of sangha in our practice, of course, is all. And we also need to look at ourselves as part of that sangha. Um, Not where we fit in, but how we are with each other. One day, you might just be one of the people sitting on the cushion at an event, at a, at a sitting um, in the morning. And one day, you might be serving the food. And one day, you might be ringing the bell. It's all the same. and. It's all about doing that practice together um, with intention and with, dare we say, love. And it's about getting in each other's way. And it's about knowing when to move and knowing when to say an appropriate thing, when to correct, when to Accept correction. It's about being compassionate and understanding when someone uh, has a bad day and maybe is not so compassionate and understanding. And being non judgmental when that happens too. I had the good fortune, you know, the week before last, to be in a, a briefly um, physically a part of a Sangha that had been together for over 40 years. They had grown old together. They had fought. They had history. Um, I watched a couple of people make mistakes and saw how gently and with such grace and humor, their Um, friends corrected them. I saw them waiting for each other. When somebody was a little behind, a little slow, adjusting, without saying a word. This feels, it's looked like it's gel, but this feels like a new sangha here. It's a city sangha. People come and go, and people will come and go, just as they came and went with that 4 year old sangha out west. Um, and I can only hope for you the same, uh, that you can do the same for each other as you come and go. I talked about the Brahma Viharas um, the other night and that's the house that I'm trying or trying to get to trying to describe without walls where people come and go where compassion is on offer all day long And that's the Sangha that Ananda discovered. I don't know how long, and I can't hold a whole lot of stuff in my head. Um, I don't know how long Ananda had been practicing with all his friends and the Buddha uh, before he discovered that. But some of us would take a long time to discover. You know, we come to Zen. In this country, like consumers, sometimes we come and we expect, you know, that we enter this place and things go right and things are perfect, whatever that is. Because perfect for you is somebody else's hell. <laughs> okay. So remember that. Um, <laughs> but we come with the expectation that you know, we will get better. Things will get better. You know, we will be more mindful um, because we are consuming the sin. You're not consuming anything. Uh, this is you. This is me. This is we sitting in this room uh, trying our best to, to follow the Buddha's suggestions as to how to live. And that's all we can do. But when we come in here and we sit down, We don't just come to get. We come to be and give. Not in the reciprocal way. Um, But if you come to sit and gain some peace, understand that you are making that peace along with all the others in the room. If somebody's not quiet enough for you, you have to sit with that and be at peace with that. Um, And share the peace that you make in that noise. If the traffic is roaring down on 4th Avenue or whatever street that is, whatever street I came across, um, you sit with that, and that is your peace, noisy as it is. If you come in and there's, you know, another being, you know, who is suffering, you know, and you know our. Suffering, you know, colors the room, changes the air. You sit with that other being suffering with them, and you make that peace. And hopefully that suffering being shares in that peace that you make. And if you come in with your suffering and your delusion, if you're that being, if I'm that being, you sit, I sit, to make a, making that full effort to work through and See that delusion so that I can put that suffering down and create the peace of sangha here. All that is very hard, and it's not going to work every time. But it's the effort that we make together in this practice. It's the effort that we make together in the Dharma. That effort together is a blessing. So you can find yourself a mountain and sit on it for a little while, and I bet you it'd be fun. You know. Or it might not. There's another story of a don't ask me his name of a monk who um, and his Passage during the day, discovered this little mango grove. Maybe it wasn't a mango grove, I don't know. But um, this little grove of trees that looked so inviting and wonderful to him and quiet. And he went back to the Buddha and he said, you know, um, i have finished my work, um, do you need me anymore? If you don't, can I go sit in this grove of mangoes? It looks so nice and inviting and I'm a good monk. And the Buddha said, uh, no. And of course, you know, the, the, the spiel, he asked three times. And they said, oh, all right, whatever, go, go check it out. And so he went and he sat in his little mango grove and oh, he probably had himself a little, you know, nice cushion of straw or whatever, you know, whatever he thought he needed, and sat in there and stewed in himself for, you know, a little while. All his delusions came up and, you know, just like they do. And not so peaceful as he thought it was going to be. he went back to the building and he said, why? The place of peace is not always a place where you escape something. It's not about escaping from something. You can't escape from us. But mostly, you and I can't escape from what we're doing, the delusions in our minds. Um, There's no cave to hide in. There's no alone to hide in. And it doesn't matter whether anybody can see you or not, or hear you or not. But, we all inform each other. We all assist each other, guide each other in this practice. Whether we're teachers or fellow Practitioners, Uh, that's what we do. So what the Buddha says about friends, he talks about the seven qualities of friends. This is not just describing who you should have around you. It's also describing who you should be to each other. Monks, a friend endowed with seven qualities is worth associating with. Which seven? He gives what is hard to give. She does what is hard to do. He endures what is hard to endure. She reveals her secrets to you. She keeps your secrets. When misfortune strikes, he doesn't abandon you. When you're down and out, he doesn't look down on you. A friend endowed with these seven qualities is worth associating with. It is so worth being in Sangha. It is so worth knowing that you have that friend, guiding you along the ridge, uh, keeping you from rolling off, helping you get home. And the more we learn to listen, the more we learn to be together with each other um, in a good listening, helpful way. the further we can get along that really narrow path, maybe before we die. We might never get home. And that's okay. But having that community, those friends along the path, is all, this is, this is practice. It is all. It is the triple treasure. So that's all I have to say about that. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.